Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the McDermott to my Belichick. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. I uh, feel prepared. I feel um, slightly on the defensive. I All think right. we have a good comp this week. And our very own Brian Flores, up-and-coming man himself, Eric Ronovic. Eric, how you doing? Whew, it's a sure sign that you are, uh, you know, during the quarantine being nice on the intros. Because you didn't call me Adam Gase. Yeah, I, I, I was like, I was like, Eric's gonna be bracing for Gase. He's gonna be like, oh man, I'm gonna be Gase. I'm, I, Adam Gase and his bug eyes, they freak me out, and I hate them. But <laughs> nope, I did not go there. Scary. Um, I uh, coaching yeah, Richie Sexton himself, Adam Gase. <laughs> yeah. Now that the games don't matter, I can win some. Uh, Seahawks news this week. You guys ready? Jo- Josh Gordon, watch. That's my new thing. So, so I've been watching. Josh Gordon's always wearing Seahawks hats. He's working out with the uh, Ford Sports guys uh, in the park. They got all the videos out there. Uh, he you could tell he really wants to come back. So here's my question: Do you got how uh, how much do you want Josh Gordon back? I want him back, but what <laughs> what was the hang up for the past eight seasons that suddenly, maybe not that long, that suddenly he's He's hurtled himself over. Like, what changed? They've relaxed the drug policy. Yeah, you can smoke weed now. I thought it was also alcohol, though. Like, it's not just weed. We learned last year it was not just weed. But maybe he can limit himself to just weed now that that's an option. I love your optimism, Kevin Gobble. Everything in moderation, including weed moderation. With the exception okay. of weed moderation, now that it's okay. Um. So, I have another thing for you guys. You ready for this? It's stats. I haven't done a stats thing in a while. Um, Brady Henderson on Twitter posted a, a chart of Seahawks in the nickel last year. We ran 212 plays out of the nickel last year. In terms of yards per play, we were 32nd. Yards per rush, 32nd. Yards per drop back, 29th. And QBR allowed 32nd. Um, so we were terrible in the nickel last year. And I think that that is part of the reason we weren't in the nickel that much. So um, it was kind of an indictment of Jamar Taylor and Pete's inability to trust Ugo Amadi, I think was the biggest problem last year with the nickel. And I'm expecting to see a lot less base defense this year, just on uh, Ugo's development arc. I think Pete, you see this with almost every defensive back that he drafts or brings in. There's like a two year arc for them. Um, most guys don't get to play a ton their first year. Um, Trey flowers, uh, a pretty notable exception. Uh, there's a couple notable exceptions lately, but, but Outside most guys corner sometimes in general, yeah, but most guys have to kind of do a year learning what Pete wants out of a secondary player. Uh, we saw it with camp chancellor. We see it with uh, other guys that have become excellent. Uh, and I think that we're going to see that this year with a lot of guys who didn't play much last year, Marquise Blair, Ugo Amadi. Um, these guys are going to have a big impact in 2020 um, to the point where it's almost like, huge additions coming into the defense um that those nickel stats are pretty harrowing and it's a real big indictment of jamar taylor was awful like he was just really bad every time he was on the field it was like flip a coin whether or not he was just going to get shredded for a huge play um and so yeah i think that i think that the there's we we got to hope that they play they're able to play more nickel because being in base defense all the time is tough right and yeah, in the modern NFL, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball already. Um, we kind of believed last year on the podcast that it it held us back quite a bit. Yeah, and Seth Waller did some research with the numbers too and said that the EPAP and the QBR uh, told a very similar story, which means that 
you know, we're just, we were better in base defense last year than nickel, which is why we used it. And I know we were all frustrated by how much we had to use base defense, but it was like, you know, it was avoid, it was us avoiding the, uh, the, the real elephant in the room, which was that we didn't, we didn't go out and get a nickel cornerback to replace Justin Coleman. And we should have, that was a, that was a problem. Yep. So yeah. Um, do, do you guys think Amadi is going to win that job outright? Do you think that there's a like outside chance someone else wins it? What do you guys think? Uh, Eric, I, what do you think? I think <laughs> right now it's 50-50. I mean, Amadi, we, this time last year we were like, it's pretty cool. Look at Ugo Amadi. I'll bet you anything he's our nickel this year. And we were really excited about it. And that didn't happen. And so kind of like what I said about Josh Gordon, what magically happened is it just a year, an amazing offseason that we hear, you know, a guy in the best shape of his life, and suddenly he's going to be our starting nickel? No, right now it's a toss-up. I like it to be Ugo, but it could be any guy we drafted. It could be Freddie Swain, which doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I think there's I, two pretty clear options here. I think what the Seahawks would like to see is Amadi Ke- stick Kevin, over there. You went, yep. Kevin, your, your audio went full robot. robot. So, uh, you went full so robot, buddy. So I'm going to I'm going to take over for a second and then I'm just going to say that that I I think I know where Kevin was going. There's two options. One, the safeties take over. We got McDougald, we got Diggs and we got uh, Blair on the field in our kind of nickel set. The other option is some kind of combination of Dunbar, Amadi, Griffin and Flowers. Three of those four guys kind of taking the the um, the mantle, I guess. Uh, let's see. Is Kevin back? Probably not. Nope, you're oh, there. All right, Ke- he is back. So, okay, the robots right. the robots have stopped. Was I right, Kevin? Did I predict what you're going to say? Uh, I was going to say I think the mo- two things are if Pete gets his way, he wants Ugo to take the job. Otherwise, I think actually the next most likely thing is we have Dunbar kicking inside on nickel packages and Flowers taking the outside corner spot. I am not entirely convinced that we're going to be running a three safety set at the, at this time. Um, as much as we all like the idea of seeing Brad, Quandre, and uh, Blair out there, I don't know if that's really going to happen. I think it might just be Brad ends up being the backup. Or maybe we see Brad against tight end sets um, Diggs, as a nickel. Diggs does have slot corner experience. He was not, like, he did not excel in that role, though. And also, to, he's our best compared free. To how he, compared to how he played free safety. Well, that's hard to say. Marquis Blair could be an awesome free safety. We don't know. <laughs> I think the jury is still out there. He did get an 80.5 coverage grade last year from um, from Pro Football Focus. Only allowed 89 yards on 14 targets. It's pretty good. Yeah, the uh, single high job in the cover one, cover three scheme that we run is really demanding. So it's hard mm-hmm. to know exactly how players going to be until we put them out there. We yeah. got spoiled with, uh, with ET. Yeah, so... Uh, that's it for things that I think are related to the Seahawks. Um, there's, you know, there's some like uh, some some Russell Wilson love out there. There's people talking about who do you draft first in fantasy? Let's ask this question. Who do you draft first in fantasy? DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? Eric, who do you get? You're in that you're in that like fifth round, uh, sixth round. I don't know what at what round. I don't do rounds. I play au- auction only <laughs> for fantasy. I like auctions that much we're more. Adults. But, yeah, this, is but, a uh, great, this is a great question because DK is going to be a sophomore in the NFL. Sophomore slumps are a real thing. Uh, Tyler Lockett is a beloved Seahawk. Some would say he's our number one option, but we on this podcast know that 
personally, I think his best days are behind him, and that sucks to say because I love Tyler Lockett. I'm Ooh, probably disagree. The injuries have added up. I'm not sure Eric's wrong about this one. Like it uh, could. I, I, I'm I, really not ready to put him out to pasture yet. He is not an old man. Well, no, he is. He's got some years, but they're not his best. Like oh. you just, you just and don't see like seasons. And you don't I'm, see like a jump coming for him, Eric. Is that what you're saying? Like you're saying like he's just not going to make like the I leap up to a hundred plus receptions kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not sure he's where like uh, Doug was at, but uh, if we're not careful, he could be. I mean, it, if you're going to tell me Doug wasn't tough, Doug Baldwin was the man, and uh, well, leap up know, to a hundred receptions. He's never had a hundred reception in his career. Oh. Ninety-five last year was by far his most. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, like I'm at saying, like Eric saying that that's the peak, and like it's going to be less from this point forward, which I don't necessarily disagree with, unless we start passing more. I think but, the counting stats might go down a little bit, but I don't think the level of play is going to go down for a couple more years. I think we still have some uh, some of the peak Tyler Lockett years as far as quality of play. Um, I would draft Lockett first, though, because I think Lockett gets more targets and more receptions, and I play PPR because again, I'm an adult. PPR, half well, PPR. half PPR. Yeah, <laughs> we're we're in all we're in mostly this most of the same leagues. I feel like okay. Yeah. Um, the other thing, uh, coronavirus reared its ugly head this week in NFL circles. Ezekiel Elliott got the got coronavirus. Um, he probably got it you, at Dax party. Do you? I have a question for you. This is a weird question. Would you rather have guys getting the coronavirus now and like getting it out of the way, you know, and maybe getting their, their uh, immunities up? Or do you want, do you, so they don't have I to don't want to answer this question. No, I don't care. No, neither. I, can I, can I take the question? Cause I think yes. it's totally, I think it's totally fair. <laughs> I want, I want every team we play to get it the week before. <laughs> and, and I don't, I don't want to just like put, put it just on the young people. It'd be nice if Belichick got it like two days. To put people in the grave. Come on, man. It's that's, these are there. these are young professional athletes. Except he for said Tom, Belichick, especially for except for Tom Brady. Oh, one, first of all, Belichick <laughs> invented it. Belichick can beat it, but he would, you know, him. He would take two whole days off and let it be that Sunday or Monday night game. I can't remember because the schedule's not in front of me. Yeah. Okay. Let's get let's get let's get to the topic of the week. Uh, don't put this evil on me, Eric. You know I'm right. Don't put this evil on me. I knew this conversation. That conversation would spiral out of control, which is why I did that. Okay. Um. So the, uh, the topic of the week. Sorry, we're we're getting into tra- to to division previews. Uh, harder this year than I think than ever to do division previews because there's just uh, so much uncertainty with how new guys are going to fit no off season or limited off season. So you kind of, kind of got to do more projections and more, uh, you know, thinking than ever. So it's going to be tough this year. Uh, but let's start off with the Buffalo bill. And what's cool is this, you know, we always go East to West AFC to NFC as we've done this, I think the last like three years, two years, I don't know. Yeah. It's been a couple though. You also are changing something apparently. What? Because you used I, to always go uh, in order of 2019 division standings. Oh, oh yeah, you're, that's true. I did used to do that, but now I'm doing. Alf- I did alphabetical by city name. Uh, so yeah, so uh, Buffalo Ooh. Bills is first. 
Okay. You wanted the Patriots to be first? Too bad. Uh, no, I uh, wanted it to go in the order that I put my notes because I conformed to what you did. Uh, all right. So Buffalo Bills. <laughs> it's too late. I already took all the notes over here and I'm in, I'm in charge. I'm, a, you're the worst. Put, I'm putting my I used to down. do it that way. And then you're the one who sucks and did it this way. And now I'm doing it your crappy way and you aren't. Oh, yeah, I screwed on this exchange. Just want to say, though, Kevin, <laughs> that the way I did this was I took my spreadsheet from last year and just deleted all the players out of it. So it's the same order that I had it in last year. Oh, then what was it that you did? By... Man, I don't know. I, don't I think know. you, Maybe made, I'm just I think you made I think you made this up. This could very uh, well be the... I think I just gaslighted myself. <laughs> Kevin took us on the 2020 is a wild year, gentlemen. I went on a I went on a journey right there. Okay, so <laughs> anyway, the Bills last year went ten and six. They added Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, Stephon Diggs, Daryl Williams. They lost Shaq Lawson, Lorenzo Alexander, Kevin Johnson, and I actually put Josh Norman in the in the subtractions column, even though he's on their team because he sucks. Uh, they have <laughs> a really good defensive coach, though. He might be able to like coax he's... below average play out of him. I'll be honest. If Josh Norman sees the field, they're in trouble, uh, and it looks like he will. They're so that, that's, that's a problem. Uh, their half of their field is ruined. They drafted AJ Epinesa, Zach Moss, and Tyler Bass to come in and challenge Stephen Hauschka for the kicking job. They drafted a kicker. Hauschka is in trouble, boys. The uh, the legend is ending. It's it's uh, it's on now. Uh, the Seahawks connection, of course, they are the landing spot for Seahawks versatile defensive lineman Quentin Jefferson. He's now a Buffalo Bill. Uh, I let's just start with I'll start this one. Okay, they were ten and six last year. This roster got appreciably better um, from last year to this year, except for Josh Norman. So <laughs> the question becomes, how much do I think Josh Norman hurts them? And Tre'Davious White is so good that I don't really care that much. They can just uh, protect Josh Norman with with their with their safeties and the rest of their defense, which is quite excellent. They have a very deep defensive line. Rotation. They have talent everywhere on both sides of the ball. It's an incredibly well constructed roster. The biggest problem is Josh Allen. So the question becomes how far can Josh Allen take this team? And I have no idea. I would believe any record between eight and eight and 13 and three. That's how big of a range I have for the Buffalo Bills this year. I'm going to settle with 11 and five, picking up some. Uh, wins in the division, but man, it is. A, this is a tough team to read because their quarterback situation is. Um, well, it's Josh Allen. He's, he's. It's. He, I would believe so many results for what Josh Allen does this year. So, all right, Kevin, what do you think, Buffalo Bills? So, I really like a lot of the additions they made. I think you're right. They have a strong roster. They actually drafted a guy in the seventh round in Dane Jackson, who I think could come in and immediately push for some time at corner. Like he's an experienced corner in the ACC. So that might cover up a bit of a weakness. I think Epinesa's good line depth. Like you said, Zach Moss comes in and takes over for Frank Gore as another running back option. I think Gabriel Davis is a really decent wide receiver. And Isaiah Hodgins brings something to the table. Like, between that and adding Stefan Diggs, they've really built a team around their quarterback to help make their quarterback look really good. Yeah. And I'm confident this team's always going to have a good defense. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Their backup defensive line is Epinesa, Butler, Jefferson, Murphy. That's a, that's a, so, that'd be a solid starting defensive line that like you wouldn't be embarrassed about. And then they have Ed Oliver, Mario Addison, Starlo Tulele, and Jerry Hughes in front of them, which is kind of nuts. It's it's like a it's like the old school Seahawks yep. mentality where they yep. can rotate guys in. You want another Seahawks connection? Their special teams coach is Heath Farwell. All right, Eric, what do you think oh, about the Buffalo Bills? Oh, I said new record and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So uh, one thing I wanted to bring up, their defense last year allowed four more points than the Patriots' very vaunted defense. The difference was their offense only scored 314. So I think we're going to see another really, really good defensive showing. And like you said, it comes down to if their offense can do something. I think their offense will be able to do enough to get them to 9-7. and And I think there's a good chance that will give them the division. Yeah, it's one thing is I need to do is I need to like double check these teams playing the NFC West, which I have a very high opinion of might put a dent in all their records when I actually go through and do all of their game by (laughs) game by games, because I I think that there's a chance like the NFC West cleans up against the AFC East and just goes like all the teams go three and one in that in that kind of matchup, which bumps all these got teams down a little bit, uh, a repeat 10 and six, like I said, eight and eight to 11 to 13 and three, nothing would surprise me because there is, this is a very talented roster. Eric, what, uh, do, you, what do you got? Uh, basically wrapping up both of what you said, the key to this is Josh Allen. He got Stefan Diggs. This is a big target. If Josh Allen does not progress, does not grow, does not have a breakout year. The bills have got to cut bait with him immediately because if it doesn't happen this year, it's not going to happen at all. Uh, like you said, Nathan, I don't think eight and eight is as far down as they'll go. I think Josh Allen would have to be terrible for that to happen. This defense should carry them back to the nine win. Uh, Stefan Diggs, I feel like that's got to be, you know, two wins more, if only for small dump off passes that are going to be inaccurate that Diggs can drag in. Uh, I'm going to put them at 11 and five in this division. All right. So, yeah. If, if there's a team that cleans up this division, this is probably it, right? If they just like kind of mop up and, and dominate the division, this yeah, the Bills have the best chance four of that. And two in it. Yeah. So uh, the next team, the Miami Dolphins, the up and coming Miami Dolphins, the number of players they added was so many. I just wrote four down Byron Jones, Calvin, Noy, Shaq Lawson, and Jordan Howard. But there's a lot of turnover on this roster in the additions category. In the leaving category, uh, Akib Talib left, but he never even played in the uniform. He was, they just like took him as a salary dump. So I don't really know. They didn't really lose anyone. Uh, they drafted Austin Jackson, Raekwon Davis, Noah Igbogany, and Tua Tagovailoa. Their Seahawks connection there. Did you guys know Seahawks legend Gary Jennings is currently a Miami Dolphin? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Thanks, Nathan, for the deep pull. Uh, so, well, there's there was a there was another one, but it was like Adrian Colbert, who was a practice squad player, and I was like, I'm not using that. So, uh, Miami Dolphins, Kevin. They think about these dolphins. How about the dolphins? I think the dolphins have most of the pieces. They strike me as a team that's kind of like a year away. Like they're going to need a lot of people to grow up a little bit. They're going to need a lot of people to get a couple of games experience and like play together and then maybe add a couple of pieces. I like, uh, you know, Devonte Parker could be a really good receiver. Albert Wilson as like your three receivers. Interesting. I'd like them to have a stronger two than Alan Hearns. But Preston Williams looked like he could maybe step up. Um, they have Julian Davenport and Jesse Davis at tackle. Well, Austin Jackson might be able to step up, but I'm not sure if he's quite there. Like, that's kind of the story along the offensive line. They have a shot at becoming an average line. Um, their defensive line looks much improved. Their defense across the board, they went really heavy in coverage. Um, a cornerback room with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, and Noah Igbenogany is really good. And so I think they're a team that's going to be kind of in the running for that, like expanded playoff roster spot. Um, but I think they're kind of a season away from really getting there. I think they're going to be like right around seven and nine, which would be an improvement. 
and it'll look like they're trending in the right direction. Eric, what do you think about the Dolphins? As uh, our wise sage Nathan Santo once said, if you look at team record improvements, improving two to three games, that's quite an improvement, and it's really big, and that's where I see the Dolphins this year. I think the Dolphins top out at eight and eight, possibly. I think seven and nine is more likely. Like Kevin said, they're building for the future. They have some really good cornerbacks. They added some linebacker depth in Van Noy. Um, Tua, man, this guy could be great. Uh, he could be fine. I think fine is what the Dolphins could use right now. And um, I like them to be a spoiler at times, but no better than eight and eight. Uh, so for me, it really comes down to how good can this offensive line come together? They have all these good young pieces, Michael Dieter, Austin Jackson, Solomon Kinley, but how these players, uh, Robert Hunt too, how these players all gel together and become an offensive line is going to have a big impact. And I just don't think it's going to work in year one. Uh, this is kind of like year, last year was kind of year zero for them. I don't, I feel like the whole from an organization from the top down just washes that one out. That doesn't really count. Uh, this is year one for Brian Flores, and the for me, it, it, he's done a good job. This defense will be good. They'll be competitive. They'll stay in games, but their offensive line is going to be a mess. And I think they don't want to get to a killed this year, so they're going. We're going to see a lot more Ryan Fitzpatrick than probably is is wanted for sure. At least <laughs> until the bye week. Uh, I, I I would expect us to see at least five to 10 games of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's two, five to 10 more than you want. The guy throws they have a, a week 11 by, I could see them going first 10 weeks Fitzpatrick. And then um, like, especially if they can go, well, we want to make sure two is all the way healthy. No one can really argue with that. And then give two of that run at the back end of the season. Cause it goes jets, Bengals, chiefs, Pats, Raiders, bills for the, like that, that's it's like three, three easy four, games, three tough games. solid, defenses to go against for an early quarterback yeah yeah jordan howard and matt braid is a good backfield like you said kevin Devontae parker finally broke out last year 1200 yards nine touchdowns uh gasicki's a good really good young tight end prospect and their defense like like has already been said is just filled up to the brim with talent especially in the secondary building from the back forward is kind of that uh kind of that patriot strategy that i think brian flores brought over with him from the recent patriots years uh, I like Chan Gailey as offensive coordinator too. I think that's like a really cool idea to pair him up with uh, Tua Tagovailoa. That'll that should work really good. I like him for eight and eight this year. I think that they'll get better. They're not going to suck. Uh, they're like Eric said. They will be they will be in some games they shouldn't be, and they will lose some games that they should not have. They should have no business losing. It'll be a very frustrating team. I'm already looking forward to being frustrated betting them uh, uh, all year <laughs> long, both for and against. I almost did the Jets here to mess with Kevin, but I'm not going to. Us uh, so New England Patriots last year went 12 and four. They added Adrian Phillips, Bo Allen, and Brian Hoyer. And I bring up Brian Hoyer because that might be their starting quarterback. They lost Kyle. Lee. They lost Kyle. Oh, great, Marquise Lee. They lost Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, and a guy you might have heard of, Tom Brady. The drafted Kyle Duggar, Josh Uchi, Devin Asiasi, and Dalton King revamped that tight end room. Seahawks connection had to go deep for this one. Their quarterback coach Jed. Fish was a Seahawks quarterback coach in 2010, back when he was a spry, 34 years old. So that was kind of crazy. Uh, um, all right, Eric, it's your turn to go first, man. What do you think about them Pats? Oh, okay. I love, what, year. I love what you said about Brian Hoyer because I do think that he's going to be starting. Uh, I think he's going to start every game until he falls apart because it's Brian Hoyer and that's what he does. 
I don't know if Bill Belichick will find a way to uh, bring him the fountain of youth at the end of every week, but we'll see. So you think you think this whole like uh, we love Jared Stidham thing is like a smokescreen? I just like a, I will say this: When have we absolutely. ever known what Bill Belichick is going to do outside of start Tom Brady? Yeah, like, fair. I, and, and oh, and mark him as as questionable. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Just because. <laughs> I mean, Bill Belichick just does things his way. That's why he's the greatest. One of the reasons why he's uh, he's a master of the game. <laughs> They've added so many pieces. They had a really good draft uh, because, you know, like I said, Bill Belichick did it. I'll say this about the Patriots. Ten and six. Oh, wow. Ten and six. You cannot. Dang. You cannot tell me that Bill Belichick is just going to find a way to be six and ten, maybe eight and eight. Eight and eight's a possibility, but I got to give the guy that I call the greatest of all time at the coaching position. I got to give him the benefit of the doubt, and they are 10 and six right now. I in week five, when they're one and four, I'd like to go back to this podcast where I said they'd be six and 10. <laughs> I, uh, I think this defense will be really good, and it'll keep them in a lot of games. I do see them fighting for kind of that last playoff spot. I think they're they're a fringe fringe playoff team. This defense is good, and they reloaded the right way. Brought in a couple young linebackers that I think were really undervalued, Uche and Jennings, to to kind of uh, replace some of the guys that they they lost in Van Noy, um, and and Collins. Their their offense is a total mystery. I have no clue what to expect, but I know that Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are going to find a way to manufacture points. We saw it as Brady kind of wind has been winding down and not been as effective. They still found ways to like squeeze out wins. The Super Bowl against the Rams is the perfect example where they, they can find a way to just squeeze out just enough to get the job done. I don't love them because their quarterback is Jared Stidham. <laughs> and it's hard for me to just like, jump in with two feet on a team that that has a quarterback that I have very little faith in. But Isaiah Wynn coming back from injury will shore up some of their offensive line problems. I Except they lost the GOAT for O-line. They did lose the best offensive line coach ever, but you just got to hope and that... We saw what happened last time. He already got in their in their ears. They are because like Marcus Cannon is like the perfect example or Shaquille Mate, Shaq Mason. These They have these guys who get drafted in the fourth and the fifth round and they just turn out to be awesome. And so we guys hope that he already did the job with Isaiah Wynn, right? It's already over and he comes back this year and is good. Uh, and I like the way they revamped their tight end room, picking up a couple guys who um, like Dalton Keene, I think provides a nice safe floor and Asiasi has like the ceiling, you know, he could be really good, could be nothing, but at least they gave themselves like two shots at the same position. I love when teams do that in the draft, take multiple shots at the same position. They did it twice with my outside linebacker and with tight end. Like if, Asiasi and Keen, one of them will be good. Uche and Jennings, one of them will be good. Like they they took multiple shots at the same positions to try to give themselves this, uh, at least one usable player, and I like that that plan. Um, uh, yeah, uh, let's go nine and seven. Yeah, nine and seven. Uh, I like that their DC is Gerard Mayo. So there you go, <laughs> Kevin. Um, I think. The one of the big problems for them is they're coming. Oh, they're coming into this season with a number one schedule. 
Mm -hmm. So they that is a problem are breaking in uh, either basically they're breaking in a young quarterback or an unreliable quarterback and they have to play the Dolphins with the improved secondary. They have the Bills who always put together good defense, but then they also have the Seahawks. They have the 49ers. They have the Ravens. This is not an easy schedule by any stretch. They 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 got the chefs, too. Uh, I was going with teams that could play defense. The chefs can play defense, dude. Chris Jones. They got. I, I like. Chris Jones doesn't play in the secondary. <laughs> that's true. That's true. And they don't have Marcus Peters anymore, but he is on the Ravens, who they do have to play. So, <laughs> so the point being, I just think I think their defense will be really good, but this strikes me as a team that's going to lose a lot of games, like twenty-one thirteen, because they just can't make something happen on the offensive side, and. I think that you guys are giving Bill Belichick credit the wrong way because I think what Bill wants to do is he wants to be in sight of that trade up for the quarterback. And Mm -hmm. he's going to get there by being seven and nine, keep the team in the hunt for the playoff spot, but then finish just low enough that he'll be able to, you know, package a pick and trade up for a quarterback that slips or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to grab his quarterback for the next big run. And for that to happen, he's got to, to finish below 500. And I don't think a Brian Hoyer, Jarrett Stidham room is going to get you to much better than that either. I think Bill Belichick has too much pride to just tank. That's my, that's my, my well, that's there. what I'm saying is seven and nine and in the hunt for the final playoff spot until the end of the season. That's Belichick tanking. <laughs> I do like Kevin's rationale that he'll just get a really good quarterback with the draft pick. Like he'll just find a way to swindle somebody. He'll like, I'm Gase. surprised they didn't end up with Jordan Love somehow. Gase, like, send me that pick. Because they're waiting it. to get to Sean Watson. Just, yeah, exactly. Waiting for <laughs> Bill O'Brien to run him out of, finish running him out of town. All right. The Jets added. Uh, they went Jets on 7-9 last year. They added Brashad Perriman, Connor McGovern, Greg Van Roden, Pierre Desir, and Joe Flacco. <laughs> they got rid- oh, wait. I should have put that in the subtractions column like I did Fighting with uh, Josh Norman. Yeah. Uh, they got they lost Robbie Anderson, Demarius Thomas, Calvin Beecham. Uh, they drafted Mekhi Beckham, Denzel Mims, Ashton Davis, Seahawks Connection. They also <laughs> signed our boy George Fant. Uh, I'm, I'm first again. All right. George Fant. I think they brought him in to be the swing tackle. I don't even think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna start. They paid him a lot too, like ten million a year. This team, if I, if their coaching staff was not who it is, if it wasn't Adam Gase and Greg Williams and Brant Boyer, I would be super into the the Jets. The Jets have a really good roster. I like a lot of the players on their team. They filled up their biggest problem with two really impact players in Mackay Becton and Connor McGovern. Cause I had big problems with their offensive line last year. They have good wide receivers. They picked up Denzel Mims in a crazy good spot. That's a guy with number one wide receiver potential, getting him pretty late in the draft process to go with Jamison Crowder, Brashad Perryman, and the legendary Josh Doxson, who I'll never give up on. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> that's my, he's my white whale. Uh, the, the defense looks good. I like this defense. Uh, CJ Mosley, I think, performed really well last year. Jamal Adams is a is an absolute star who can solve a lot of problems. And pairing him up with Ashton Davis is a thing of beauty. That is a true single high safety that that will let Jamal Adams just be unleashed underneath the field in his to his fullest. And it's not even like Marcus May sucks. He so so even if Ashton Davis busts or gets hurt, they'll still be fine. I am into the Jets roster. That being said. 
There's coaches still Adam Gase, seven and nine. Eric or Kevin, sorry, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, go ahead. Uh, you know, you're going to hear a lot of repeated things on this one. I think that they have a really strong wide receiver room now. They've put a lot of things in place to support a young quarterback. I do think that the Darnold is not a bad quarterback, and I think that he could grow. I think Fant as an insurance policy for Chuma Adoga, whose health is always questionable, was a smart choice. So between Fant and Adoga, that means on the right side, they're not going to have a gaping hole. So I, I, I agree. I think they made a better wide receiver room, a functioning offensive line. Um, if Darnold doesn't get mono last year, do they go like nine and seven? No, they still go seven and nine because Adam Gaze was still their head coach. Um, <laughs> you know, I think their defense has a lot of talent and Ashton Davis has the flexibility where Marcus May can play both safety spots and Jamal Adams can play literally every defensive back spot. Yeah, and so I wouldn't be surprised too. if you see Jamal Adams as their nickel corner so that they can kind of sure up a, a, a questionable corner group. So I think there's a lot of talent and then it all doesn't matter because their coach is awful. And so they're going to go six and 10. And that means they'll finally get to fire their coach, which means that, you know, 2021, somebody's going to get a good roster and they could probably win with it pretty quickly. Eric, Nathan, are you more optimistic about the Jets? Uh, no, actually, I think Kevin's the most optimistic because uh, I I can go over what you said, Nathan, and, and Kevin reiterated it. But at the end, Kevin said something really important. He said the Jets are going to go 6-10, and 10, at which you know they're going to get rid of Adam Gase, and then 2021. You're forgetting a big portion of who the Jets are. They are the Jets. So they're going to finish eight and eight or nine and seven, still miss out on that final playoff spot, the newfangled <laughs> playoff spot. And guess what? Gase, come on back next year, baby. Oh, no. <laughs> because with Darnold, with Mim, oh, everything, timeline. everything I said about Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen, take that to the Jets now. You've Dalton got Sam gets Darnold, the Rona. Sam Darnold gives him an excuse. Denzel Mims has that number one potential, this could be like a really good thing for them. However, pulling it back to center, Adam Gase. Nine and seven is their tippity top. Uh, I do like what they did with the line. I think that this team, honestly, uh, all joking aside, get a really solid coach in there. Or, uh, I don't know, you can get a college coach. Like, if you put Kingsbury last year in with the Jets, I think the Jets have a better chance. This is uh, this is where, that's where the other the- Gruden will go. Yeah, maybe, but that's still a crazy coach. Uh, we, right. This is where the Dolphins will be maybe in two years this year. Like That's, how, guys, that's how high I'm on the Jets' possibility. You guys ready for uh, some some over-unders for this division? Mm-hmm. I kind of I saved it for last. Like It was like the dessert of this podcast, you know? Like the uh, – yeah, anyway, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I thought Bills. the Jets were the dessert. Bill, Bills, over-under nine. Kevin. Over. Uh, is it Eric nine? Silver. Is it nine flat? It's nine. I'll take the over. Over because you you push on the. Because I get push you on only, nine. You only lose on the eight. I yeah, was, if it was I nine and say, a half, I'm I'm really hard on that. I go over too. I think it's yeah. pretty. I think it's pretty uh, solid over bet. Uh, Jets over under seven. Mm, that's under because I get the push. <laughs> I'm, I'm going go. over, but just barely. I'm over too. Uh, Dolphins six and a half. Over. Yeah, it's an over. I think it's over, too. And finally, last but not least, the New England Patriots over under 
nine. I already bet the under on that exact line. <laughs> under nine. What? Is, I feel like that that is like trolling. Yeah, I feel like they're messing with people. Like that, that should have been like eight. Eight, I feel like is really tough. Nine just feels like that could be the trap though. They're laying the trap because the the hoodie comes in and gets ten wins with with uh, with Matt with Matt Castle or signs Cam Newton at the last second. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's 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 they're setting the trap. They're they're definitely laying the trap. I don't know what to make of that. <clears throat> I think uh, only a ding dong goes over on all these teams, so I'm going over. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so yeah there there you go there's our thoughts on the uh the afc east the division the seahawks will be facing this year back next week with the afc north uh so north division yeah, if you want to support the seahawks nest podcast there are many ways to do so the best way head over to patreon.com slash seahawks nest and for as little as a dollar 24 a month get in the discord uh get Get in there, get, make your voice heard, uh, support the, the team. Thank you to the new Patreons, Peter, Tony, Mark, Jay, Lucas. You guys are crushing it. Uh, thank you to all the Patreons. Uh, that would be, oh, I misclicked. Carrie, Tom, James, Tim, Brett, Lucas, Tony, Brian, Michelle, Flocktimus, Keith, Mike, Karen, Bob, Richard, Jay, Nick, Brandon. Thank you guys for starting the CXNS podcast. Uh, you guys rock. Thank you. I love you. Um, that's uh, that's it. Uh, oh, if you don't have any money, you're broke, and you want to support the Seahawks Nest Podcast, head over to iTunes, uh, Seahawks Nest Podcast. Give us a review. Uh, helps people find the podcast. It shows up. We charted this week in Saudi Arabia. Not not my favorite moment. Uh, <laughs> charting charting in the in the in the uh, in the country with the bad human rights record is a uh, well there could be sad. someone there making great choices listening to this podcast if you're truly listening in saudi arabia shout us out let us know what's up are we on a list <laughs> we charted in finland too actually we charted top 20 in finland i don't know why <laughs> top 20 what sports and entertainment podcasts uh, i love right. it <laughs> that's <laughs> we're like every <laughs> 90s band we're big in finland uh i don't know i I, i'm I'm wondering if like no one in finland uses ios devices so then the apple charts just picked up like hey this is this got like eight downloads in finland and that's good enough to bump you into the top 20 sports entertainment podcasts in finland because we dropped off pretty quick pretty rapidly after our our ascension you know we we rose to to eighth and then or to 28 top 20 and then seahawks death podcast flew too close to the sun All right. Uh, speaking of that, uh, I don't know. That's actually not a good transition at all. The, no, no, it's not <laughs> the movie club this week. Uh, Kevin, I'm gonna let you take take the. I'm gonna let uh, G, as Jesus uh, takes the wheel. I'm gonna let Kevin take the wheel for this one because this is your. Uh, this is one of your holy scriptures. I feel like this is one uh, of your favorite films. Wow. Uh, of the last twenty years. So yeah, Kevin, this is a, this movie ahead. I very much like. This is a movie that would have made my personal um, top. 10 lists when we did those for the decade. So uh, this is 2016's Train to Busan. Um, it's uh, Yan Sang-ho, director Yan Sang-ho's uh, first live-action movie. His previous had been animated. Um, he's also uh, one of the writers on it. This is a... Um, I'll just go ahead and read the tagline off of this. Uh, 
Martial law is declared when a mysterious viral outbreak pushes Korea into a state of emergency. Those on an express train to Busan, a city that has successfully fended off the viral outbreak, must fight for their own survival. Um, it starts off with like a slice of life moment with a divorced parent uh, trying to balance like the work home life uh, piece and you know, uh, appease his daughter, make her happy while trying to close a business deal. And everything's very normal for a few minutes. And then everything kind of appears normal for longer than you would think. And it turns on a dime. And I think that's one of the many things this movie does very well is it gives you enough time to invest in the characters and then all of a sudden the switch flips and boom, you're in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. All right, Eric, what do you think about Train to, to Busan? I think it's really great. Um, this is a movie recommended by not only Kevin on this podcast, but I hadn't heard anything bad against it <clears throat> about it. Kevin kind of tipped me to watching it because I said, yeah, I heard it's really good. And I think it looks really good and really well shot. But I'm so sick of zombies like The Walking Dead kind of killed that. Um, and everyone else being like, we got to make a zombie Taco Bell. We got to do something. Uh, but this was, uh, it was really well done. Really nice surprise. Um, I There was no point in this movie that I was taken out of it. That's a, it's a big portion of, uh, of liking of a movie for me. Enjoyment is, uh, if, I, if I can stay in the movie for the entire two, two plus hours, I'm into it. And I was into it in this movie. Uh, shout out to uh, Asian me in this movie. Uh, Kevin will know who I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, the nice guy you don't want to die that you're like, oh, that that's pretty cool. Uh, that's that's me. And uh, yeah, sadly, I just don't uh, make it. I will also say, um, without giving away any big spoilers, the end of this movie punches you right in the heart. Yeah, there's it's it's not a it's a very human movie. That's like I think what I like about it is that even though we're like got some cool zombie action, you know, it's like the heart of the movie is not about like the zombies. And that, I think that's like what a lot of zombie fiction gets wrong is that like, if it's a, if it's, if it's too much about the zombies, it's hard to care. Yeah. Um, It's really hard to care. So Uh, yeah, that you guys want some fun facts on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? There's All an right. anime. I know there's an anime prequel. That, that was yeah, my fun an fact. Animated prequel. Uh, and the title of that prequel is uh, Soul Train. Soul Station. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, so no, that's Soul Plane. Yeah. Soul Plane. Is it Soul Plane? Uh, no, Soul it's plane actually did... it's actually the Godfather's Ho Train. <laughs> have you ever seen Soul Plane? I have seen Soul Plane. Yes. Yeah, dude. There's a part in that movie at the beginning where the plane has like a. Um, what are those called where the car bounces up and down hydraulics yeah yeah that's the stupidest thing i've ever seen in my entire life I, it's up there and you know what you're in for as <laughs> soon as was, you that was the stupidest thing they're making okay. a sequel to this movie yeah peninsula. so uh the sequel peninsula is going to be coming out it's uh <laughs> i believe it takes place three years after the events of train to Busan, and um they're going to be doing uh a theater re-release in the month of july um you know depending on the rona where it is a re-release of Train to Busan with a little bit of extra footage that ties it into the sequel better. So if you did not get a chance to see it, and I didn't get a chance to see Train to Busan in theaters, 
Um, depending on how health looks, I might make the effort to get out there and see this movie in theaters because I think it's going to be a good theater experience. And I would like to see that extra footage for the tie into Peninsula, um, which is a movie I've been very excited about. Uh, Other fun facts. Um, This is the first South Korean movie to cross 10 million ticket sales. Not $10 million, 10 million theater goers. Mm -hmm. Um, It grossed a total of $93 million, which is a ton for a South Korean movie. Uh, It's the sixth highest grossing domestic film um, all time for South Korea. Mm. (laughs) And uh, Edgar Wright called it the best zombie movie that he's, uh, what, best zombie movie I've seen in forever is the quote. Okay, let's let's do that. How does that rank? How does it rank in your top zombie movies, Kevin? Uh, Is it your favorite zombie movie? Ugh. It's my highest rated zombie movie. I don't know if it's my favorite zombie movie. That's two different questions. Mm, okay. So what's your what's your favorite then? Is Ooh. it Reanim- Reanimator? <clears throat> it is not Reanimator. Hmm. It is All definitely right. not Reanimator. <laughs> it's not brighter Reanimator. <laughs> Come on, you don't like Reanimator? What about Dead Snow? <laughs> have you seen dead snow i have seen yes. dead snow dead snow is pretty good dude it is good it's pretty fun um i <laughs> you just said reanimator though because we ended up watching it for uh a certain person's movie night and so of course it ended up being more awkward than it should have been um reanimator is like uh, reanimator is a very unnecessary sexual assault sequence away from being a better movie <laughs> It's it's like yeah it's like almost the cool. actor's wife divorced him for, for how awfully and graphic that sexual assault. Scene I think is. I think this is That's in my not top. Good. If I was making my top five zombie movies, I think this is in. I think it's like for yeah, it's me right it's there like with like Shaun of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead remake, Shaun of the Dead, Twenty Eight Days Later, and uh, and this movie would probably be my my personal top five. And I think I might put Twenty Eight Weeks in over the Dawn remake. Dude, the Donna Dead remake slaps. That's like Zack Snyder's best movie. I will go take that I to my that. Uh, to my to my grave. James Gunn. I Gun will also say that that movie is much better than saying that it's Zack Snyder's best movie makes it sound. Uh, Ving Rhames. <laughs> Ving Rhames is great in that movie. Ving Rhames is great. Just, yes. We need where what is Ving Rhames doing right now? I I need more Ving Rhames in my life. No, no, like, no. What? If you look at all the movies he's in, it's Pulp Fiction, the Dawn of the Dead remake, and then. The Mich- Stop. And, oh, Mission and Impossible. Like, That's Mission right. Impossible movies. Yeah, exactly. He has that cameo at the end of Guardians 2, and it makes you think that they're going to do something sweet with that, but who knows? He's uh, Charles yeah. 27, or Charlie yeah, like, 27. In like would be three, uh, three years, they may do something with him. That'd, yeah. be so cool. That'd be so cool, though. Like, Ving Rhames is so sweet. He's a good uh, actor. He's in yeah. a lot of things, though. The y- that Yondu hero team with Ving, with Ving Rhames and uh, Sylvester Stallone would be fun. I'd be into that movie. <laughs> so uh, to bring it back real quick. So Train to Busan, if you are a big fan of um, when zombie movies remember that they're supposed to be political commentary, this is a movie that I think you will enjoy and find interesting. If you like uh, the original uh, Romero trilogy, um, especially Night and Dawn, if you like, the, if, you, the... if you just like that clever twist on horror, I think it does it. The thing about the original Donna Dead, though, is like 1978, you have to give it a ton of credit, but like it is pretty slow paced. 
Uh, it movie. has pacing issues for days. Uh, but... And so this movie does this movie like does not. This movie is like snappy, man. It it just flies like you. The you, remake uh, or Train to Busan? Train to Busan. Yes, I agree. Train the to remake Busan also is... is much faster, but Train to Busan yeah. is just goes. Yeah, it just goes. And it's like it's and I, it uses the like when you're in a train, there's like a it's 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 compact and like claustrophobic. And they use that to their advantage. And I, I think that that's really um I also cool. think the the interpersonal issues um, do a really good job of adding a different layer of suspense where there's times where the biggest threat is not the zombies, which I think is something these movies need. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does have some class commentary, but also like there's some familial um, and like, you know, would you be willing to sell out? the person next to you in order to save this other person that you have stronger ties to like what's the moral choice in a certain situation and uh it does a really good job of setting those up so that you can see what's happening enough to be able to digest the character's choice so when they choose what they choose you you can kind of see like why they did that and it makes it a really cool thing to watch and follow all right. Uh, anything else you guys want to get in before we get out of here? Night of the Living Dead. I'll put that in great zombie movies. Good night. All right. For Eric, for Kevin, for the robots who stole Kevin for the for, for at the beginning of the podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Go Hawks.